All right, so today we are going to continue in our fervent series. And the area that we are going to talk about is your pressures. So have you ever felt the pressure to always be the one that everyone else can count on to say yes? Yeah, me too. What about the pressure to enroll your kids in every single sport or activity that they ever even expressed interest in? Yep, I heard that back there. (laughs) What about to be the perfect mom and perfect wife and perfect friend, employee, the perfect Pinterest-worthy birthday party planner? Like, (laughs) can I just say that I have felt that pressure? And let me tell you, I am more of an Amazon Prime kind of mom, okay? (laughs) You see, it's exhausting, isn't it? To have to put that pressure, to feel that pressure, to be the perfect image of everything that everyone else expects you to be, right? You know, I have a daughter, she's nine, her name's Lila, and she's in gymnastics, and in January, she started a new level, she moved up to a new level, and so each level, they say, takes about a year to complete, and in that year, you'll master 30 skills before you can move on. So we're 12 weeks in, She just had an award ceremony where they kind of share your progress and girls that get promoted are promoted, things like that. She's only been in it 12 weeks. We discovered that Lila has passed 20 out of 30 skills. I know, that's what I said. (laughs) It's like, oh, really? Wow. But when I looked over at her, that wasn't her reaction. I saw her hunched over, head down, and tears flowing. And I knew exactly why, because she is her mother's daughter. (laughs) She put that pressure on herself to do far more than was ever expected of her. And you know what? That is when the enemy, he wants to jump in and he's ready to attack. And we've got to be aware of how he thinks so that we can stand firm against it. And so if you're following along in this study, Fervent by Priscilla Schreier, She writes to us about how he thinks, so I just want to read a little bit of that to you today. And in it, she says, if I were your enemy, I'd make everything seem urgent, as if it's all yours to handle. I'd bog down your calendar with so many expectations, you couldn't even tell the difference between what's important and what's not. Going and going and guilty for ever saying no, trying to control it all, but just being controlled by it all instead. If I could keep you busy enough, you'd be too overwhelmed to even realize how much work you're actually saving me. You see, we have to be aware that the tactic of the enemy is to use our pressures against us to wear us down and enslave us to them. And so today we're just gonna talk a little bit about some of the types of pressures that we face. And the first one is internal pressure, right? These are unrealistic demands that we put on ourselves like Lila did, right? And, you know, maybe we do that through perfectionism, and that's making sure we we look just right, we're doing all the right things. Maybe it's having the right material possessions, right? Perfectionism. Maybe it's through control, controlling how we're perceived by others, our image. Maybe it's controlling how our family is perceived, And then that means that we're actually trying to control those people, right? Maybe we're trying to control our environment or even our future. 
you know, it's probably safe to say we would all like to be perfect, right? Like, wouldn't life be so much easier if we were just perfect? (laughs) We'd all like to have it all together. And, you know, there was a post floating around on social media about this very thing not that long ago. And I think it was a joke. I'm pretty sure it was a joke. But it had a lot of truth about the pressure that we face. And so I just want to share that with you. And it read, how to be a mom. Okay. Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met while being careful not to overstimulate, understimulate, improperly medicate, helicopter, or neglect them in a screen-free processed foods free, body positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing, but fostering of independence, gentle, but not overly permissive, pesticide free, two story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard. Oh, we're not done yet. And 1.5 siblings spaced at least two years apart for proper development. And also don't forget the coconut oil. You see, we might laugh, but where does this pressure come from? Who sets the standard? And who gets to say when we come up short? You see, so often we put it on ourselves, right? Ladies, we've got to learn to relax. We've got to be kind to ourselves. We've got to let some things go. God already knows that we're not perfect. And you know what? He loves us anyway. We don't have to go and try to earn God's love, okay? You see, the enemy, he wants to rob us of this life that's filled with freedom and peace and rest and contentment because that's the life that God gives us. But when we impose all of this pressure on ourselves, we are pushing away that perfect peace that only Jesus can give. If we live every day overwhelmed by pressure, we won't experience that life because we're too busy and too consumed by the stress of it all to just stop and receive from God. So that's our internal pressures. Let's take a minute, let's talk about external pressure. And there are so many types. There's peer pressure. There's expectations that people put on you. There are circumstances totally that are beyond our control. And then there's also our schedules. And I think that's a really, really big one for so many women because we expect a lot of ourselves and others expect expect a lot from us. And the average woman, what does her day look like? You know, she gets up, she gets the kids up, she makes breakfast, she gets everybody ready for school. Oh my gosh, we're out of milk, so after I drop them off at school, I go, I get some milk, stick it in the fridge, run to work, right? Get my stuff done there, leave, pick up the kids, bring them home, do the homework, practice piano, go to sports practice, make dinner, argue with them about eating the dinner, clean up the dinner, and then maybe if I'm lucky, I go to the gym, I tidy up the house, or I fold some laundry, right? And then what? She goes to bed completely exhausted, dreading the fact that she has to do it all over again tomorrow and having forgotten that her God was with her and for her every single moment of that day. (sighs) Have you ever been there? 
striving and trying so hard to manage it all by yourself, checking off all the things on that list, but wondering what you're really accomplishing? Or do you have time in your day? Do you have margin in your day? Do you let God direct your steps? You see, none of these things that she's doing are bad things, right? A lot of them are good things. But when we're this busy, we need to pause and examine our hearts. Because this can be a sign that we are dealing with more than the pressure of a full schedule. You see, if our days are packed so full that we don't even have a minute to spare, that's when the enemy comes in and he tries to draw our hearts away from the God who loves us and he tries to enslave our hearts to the task, to the pressure, to those things that weigh on us. And then, then it becomes bondage. You see, we cannot let our schedule control us. We must allow God to manage our schedule. We've gotta bring it all to him and say, God, I want you to direct my day. I don't want to be led by, or I don't want to be driven by pressure. I want to be led by your spirit. So I give it to you. How different would things look if we prayed this prayer when we're overwhelmed? You know, the thing is, there will always be things that can overwhelm us. And not all pressure is bad, but we do need to bring it all to God so that we don't end up in the trap of the enemy, right? And when we do this, our pressures can actually help us grow in our walk with God. And the Bible tells us this. It says in James chapter one, verses three through five, and I love it in the message translation, it says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help, and you won't be condescended when you ask for it. You see, yes, the enemy wants to use our pressure to wear us down and enslave us, but pray to the Father. He loves to help. He loves to help. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad I can pray to my Father because He loves to help. And so today we're going to look at this story of someone from the Bible who faced a lot of pressure. It was something that was totally out of his control and he managed it well. He didn't let it overwhelm him and God got all of the glory. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to take a look at how Daniel managed pressure. And you see, during this time, Israel was living in captivity in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. And God had given Daniel great wisdom in interpreting visions and dreams, and so Daniel was made to be part of this group of men that counseled the king. And one night, this king, he had a dream that just deeply, deeply disturbed him. So he called in all his wise men and he said, listen, you need to tell me, number one, what my dream was, and number two, what it meant. And if you don't, I will tear you limb from limb and your houses will be turned into piles of rubble. Now that's pressure. And so all of these wise men, they started freaking out. They started saying, this isn't fair. You can't do this to us. This is totally unrealistic. Nobody has ever asked us to do anything like this. But let's look at what Daniel did. 
Daniel 2, 13 and 14 says, Because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. The first out of four lessons that we can learn from Daniel today is that we can respond to pressure calmly and wisely, right? The Bible says that Daniel used discretion and wisdom. He didn't freak out. He stayed calm. He didn't panic and let his stress level dictate his reaction. No. He remained calm. So let me ask, when the pressure weighs heavy on us, how do we respond? Do we throw a pity party? Do we complain? Do we fall apart? Do we allow our to-do list to dominate and define us? Or do we tell ourselves on repeat how insanely stressed out we are? You know, I've done that before. And can I just tell you, it did not work out very well for me. In fact, it probably made things worse. The Bible says in Romans 8, 6, So, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So we have a choice. Death or life and peace. Like, those are strong words, right? But I know that I want life and peace, don't you? You see, we all make mistakes. We're all still learning. And that's okay. God knows that. But we have to recognize that we have the freedom to choose how we respond under pressure. You know, I love what the Bible says about how we can live above our pressures in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. You see, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in each and every one of us that we can live above the pressures of life. And it's by his spirit that we have the power to respond to the things that overwhelm us calmly and wisely, just like Daniel did. Let's read on a little bit and find out what happens next, okay? In Daniel 2, 16 through 18, it says, Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Then Daniel went home and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened, and he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so that they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. The second lesson we can learn from Daniel is that we must rely on prayer to bring relief to our situation. Daniel knew his circumstances needed God's intervention. He knew that without God's help, he and so many others would die. And he knew that prayer is how we access the power of God. That's why the enemy doesn't want us praying. Prayer is the outlet by which we release our pressure to God and we get his perspective on the situation. 
You know, I love how Daniel gathered up his close friends and he asked them to pray. And I am so thankful for this sisterhood of women because you know what? We pray for each other, right? So if you are feeling overwhelmed today, can I just encourage you? This room is full of women who are ready to pray with you, believe with you, encourage you. We stick together. We pray together. And there is power in uniting together in prayer. So do not let the enemy discourage you from leaving this place today without asking someone to pray for you or how you can pray for them. Okay? Did you know that through prayer, we can learn from Jesus himself how to carry our pressure and find rest for our souls? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30 shows us how. It says, then Jesus said, come to me. We do that in prayer. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, that's our pressure. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give to you is light. You see the word yoke that Jesus uses here, it's from this Greek word zugos. And yes, it's like a literal yoke that you would put on cattle, but it was also a known metaphor that was used to speak of any burden or bondage as of that of slavery or troublesome laws imposed on someone. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like pressure? But Jesus says we can take on his yoke. His yoke is easy and light. And that, again, is why the enemy doesn't want us praying. Prayer changes our perspective. It brings these things that seem so overwhelming to God and sheds his truth on them. Prayer is where we take off that heavy yoke of burden and bondage and we trade it for the freedom that Jesus brings. Prayer releases the power of God in our lives, giving us rest and peace and contentment and direction, and that is Jesus' light, easy yoke for us. You know, I've seen this in my own life. There have been times where I am just under so much pressure. I don't know what to do. I want to cry. I want to hide in my bed. I want to close the door. I just... I want to freak out. Like, what do you do? But you know, when I started to pray about it, everything changed. That's when God stepped in and began to help me in only ways that he can. And you know, he wants to help you too. He does. Pray to the Father. He loves to help. And God helped Daniel too. Scripture says that that night, the dream and what it meant was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And so now we want to listen to Daniel declaring praise to God in his situation. In Daniel 2, 20 through 23, it says, he said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness, though he is surrounded by light. And I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us with a king. 
demanded. See, this, the next lesson that we can learn from Daniel is that we can praise God in the middle of our pressure. And you know, this is important because praise puts God first. You know, Daniel probably felt a lot of pressure to go to the king right away and say, this is it. This is what I found. Now nobody has to die. But he didn't. Daniel paused and he gave God praise that he rightfully deserved and he put him first. And then after praising, Daniel went to see the king. And we see this in Daniel 2, 26 through 28. It says, the king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream. You see, praise also keeps us humble. Daniel was quick to acknowledge the fact that it was God who had revealed the mystery, not him. Praise causes us to remember that it's God who holds everything together. It's not us. He's the one that works everything out for our good. And it's by praise and humility we acknowledge that, yes, we might feel the weight of the world on our shoulders. But if we make a mistake, it's okay. Because the whole world is not going to fall apart. I'm not sure I always believed this, but it's true. And you know what? It's okay if we do make a mistake. Because God's got us. Where we fall short, he fills in the gaps. That's his grace. You know, I'm still working on this. Like, I will be the first to admit that this is not my strong suit here. I feel that way, and I want to carry it by myself, and I forget to do things in God's strength. But by praise and humility, he is teaching me that he's got it, and he's got me. And you know what? In the midst of overwhelming pressure, praise declares to God that we trust him. We trust him. You know, when we're praying and waiting for God to do something, praise helps, right? Praise tells God, you know what, God? I believe what you say more than I believe about this thing that overwhelms me. And this, this is how we become active participants with God because we're partnering, partnering with him, right? We're looking to be in the process with God instead of just wanting to receive something from God. I want my praise or my trust in God to grow continually. Don't you? I want to trust God more today than I did yesterday or last week or last year. Don't you? Yeah. You see, praise actively grows our trust in God. Now, there's one more thing that we can learn from Daniel today. So let's keep reading. In verse 47, it says, the king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all his wise men. And at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, 
Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. And so the last lesson that we can learn from Daniel today is that managing pressure well always brings God glory. Every single one of us have been created to bring God glory. And when Daniel managed pressure well, this king, who didn't even know God, praised him, gave him glory. How about that? And you know what? Daniel went on to continue to serve this king and others after him. And there was another king that tried to kill Daniel by throwing him into a den of hungry lions. And God was with Daniel. God saved him. And when that king saw that, he also praised God. And he said, you know what? This God, Daniel's God, he's the one true God, the only one. And he also didn't know God. And then remember Daniel's friends from earlier who prayed with them, Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael? You might know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because they prayed, their lives were also spared. And they too stood up under great pressure. There was another king that tried to kill them, and he threw them into basically a fiery oven. And you know what? God was with them. They survived. They were completely unharmed. They walked out of that furnace not even smelling like smoke. And that king went on to issue a law that said there is no other God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so therefore no one can even speak a word against their God. Managing pressure well gives God glory. And the same thing is true for you and for me today. When we respond to these things that overwhelm us calmly and with wisdom, with prayer, and with praise, God is always, always glorified. Because people see that. It makes a difference. And we have the opportunity to give him credit. And we won't be a hot mess. And I'm pretty thankful for that part. <laughs> and you know, maybe today you came here completely overwhelmed. Maybe you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Maybe other people put a lot of pressure on you. Maybe you have situations and circumstances that are just out of your control. Maybe your busy schedule has got you run ragged. Can I just remind you today, God wants you to come to him. Pray to the Father. He loves to help. And you know, so many of those things that can overwhelm us, it was never God's intention for them to put this much pressure on you. And I believe today that God wants you to know that there is freedom from the bondage of your pressures. We need to recognize it is a tactic of the enemy to use our pressures against us, to put us into bondage and enslave us and overwhelm us. And we've got to stand up against that because we don't want to stop praying. Because if we do, that's when we miss out on the peace and freedom and contentment that only Jesus gives. And that's exactly what the enemy wants.
See, we need to get God's wisdom by taking the time to listen to him and reading his word. And then we need to pray his word over our lives. And then he'll orchestrate our priorities and all the details. And when we let him do that, we experience his peace. And other people see that, which means he gets the glory. Okay. That's why praying the word is our plan of attack against the enemy. And you know, each week, the speaker who has, taught, has shared their own personal prayer that they've written in each specific area and we followed this acronym PRAY. It's praise, repent, ask, yes. And so just like we've done every week so far, I'd like to invite you into my own personal prayer that I wrote using this format. And as we pray, you're welcome to pray right along with me if it's something that resonates in your heart. But please let it encourage you. Write out your own prayers because our written prayers are so, so powerful. Can we pray together? Okay. Father, I love you. And I praise you, God, for who you are and for your goodness to me. God, when I am overwhelmed, you are my safe refuge. God, I praise you because when I call out to you, you hear me and you listen. And you're always with me, ready to help me in difficult times. And God, I am sorry for putting so much pressure on myself, for trying to keep it all together and do everything in my own strength. I'm sorry for the pressure I put on others too by trying to control them. I'm sorry, God, that I have been so consumed with busyness that sometimes I forget to invite you in to direct my days. Please forgive me, God. I don't wanna be under the weight of these pressures. And I realize now that this is the enemy's strategy to enslave and overwhelm me. And Father, I know that when I come to you, you'll help me take care of everything else. God, I ask you to impress upon my heart the truth of your word. Because according to Deuteronomy 31.8, you are the one who goes before me. God, you're with me. You, oh God, will not leave me. So I don't need to be discouraged. I don't need to be stressed out about anything. You've got me and you won't let me go. And God, right now I ask you, fill me with your joy, that it would be my strength. And Father, right now I put myself in agreement with your word because you tell me in Psalm 61 too that when I come to you with my heart overwhelmed, you lead me back to yourself. You're my place of refuge. And God, you remind me of your goodness to me. And you invite me to lay down my pressures and burdens and instead put on freedom by living according to your ways. And I know that 1 John 5, 3 says that your commandments are not burdensome. According to Psalm 143, 3, when I'm overwhelmed, you alone, God, know the way that I should turn. And not only do you know, God, but you show me the right path. You lead me by your truth and you teach me. And God, I know that all day long, I can put my hope in you, according to Psalms 25, 4 through 5. And God, I give you praise because your word says that you daily load me with your benefits. That's your promise to me in Psalm 68, 19. And God, I know that I can live victoriously above the pressures that I will face in life because your word declares in Isaiah 55, 12 that you are calling me to move forward with joy and to be led by your peace. 
And God, because you tell me all your promises are already yes, Father, I say amen. Let it be in my life. And now with every head still bowed and eyes still closed, we want to pray one more prayer together. And you know, maybe you're here today and you just don't even, you didn't even realize that God loves you. That he wants a relationship with you and you don't have to do a thing to earn it. He loves you just as you are. If that's you, we want to help you begin walking with Jesus. And it just starts with a simple prayer. So we're going to pray out loud together. And if that's you, wrap your heart around these words as we all pray. God, I need you. I can't do it all on my own. I open my heart to you. I know I've made mistakes. I believe Jesus paid the price for my sin on the cross. God, I ask you to forgive me. Teach me your ways. I submit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Awesome. Can we welcome new sisters into God's family?